0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Sleeper and the Bust. This is episode one, number 130, and I am your host, Nicholas Minix, and I am joined by everyone's favorite compadre, Eno Saris. Eno. Introduce yourself.
1: I'm here, ready to
0: rock. Rock and roll. Excellent. We have a few things uh, that should be of higher interest to start off this week, and uh, I want to begin in the Rays bullpen, uh, specifically because Juan Oviedo came up with a save on Monday. Uh, after this was after Jake McGee had pitched in the eighth inning, and after McGee had also registered a save on Sunday. This is a situation we talked about. Obviously, considering that Grant Balfour has been demoted and they're going with a kind of a committee setup, um, Balfour struggled, uh, I think, and was was the reason that uh, McGee had come in in the eighth inning. And now we're looking at a situation, uh, bless you, that is clearly it's 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 going to be unpredictable um, for a number of reasons. And we've already talked about the possibilities of Oviedo. I think it's encouraging to see him get that save uh, on Monday to kind of reinforce the belief that he seems like. Slight edge might be the best possibility there, uh, but McGee also has, has, has clearly factored in. Uh, anything that has changed about your opinion of this situation, you know?
1: It's a mess. I, mean, <laughs> I thought maybe Balfour would hold on to it the whole way through, and actually, I don't know that that's necessarily not the case right now. I mean, Balfour got the save right before that, and it was a weird one because it was a two-inning save, yeah. um, and Obiedo pitched like the seventh inning, then McGee got a save, where uh, I think he allowed some base runners, um, and then Oviedo relieved McGee, I think, in the in the save he got. So uh, they're just doing whatever whatever they can to win games, and uh, you know the fact that they gave McGee a chance, I think, says that maybe they're not as worried about making him too expensive. I suppose if he closed this year for a half a season and got 15 to 20 saves, he wouldn't be put in, you know, a Craig Kimbrell bucket or anything. Um, so he wouldn't be super expensive right away. Um, so maybe, maybe they think, you know, it's worth it. Um, I, I thought Oviedo would be the cheap and cheap version. I think McGee is a better pitcher, uh, just by being left-handed. Um, so I think they probably think about all these different things and about how how likely they are to 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 uh be competitive this year and, and for a wild card and if they're not going to be that competitive then it should be Obiato or four because those guys are, are locked into cost certainties and and McGee only gets more expensive with every save they give him.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I think um as long as they can continue to entertain the notion that they may come back. And I think – I mean, it's not going to be surprising at all to me to see the Rays kind of go on some kind, uh, some kind of incredulous run to get back into uh, the seeming picture for a wild card spot. I don't – despite the fact that they've had one of the worst records in baseball for a little while now, um, throwing a bit of a winning streak. It's just – to me, it's a team you don't, you don't ever count out. There's a reason, first of all, obviously, that they're statistically just kind of considered a – a quality team um, and then uh, throw in the fact that uh, Joe Madden is one of the better kind of, uh, well, just one of the better managers in baseball. So, I mean, it's just a team I would not count out. Uh, but, I, yeah, I think, <clears throat> excuse me, I think that uh, it's, it's a mess. I mean, it, at least in mixed leagues, I'd be happy to own a, a McGee uh, specifically because it's just, I mean, he's going to contribute to your bottom line and just if he's going to pick up a save or two, obviously, that's just, I mean, that's... Um, it's at least uh, – that, that's kind of the easy way to look at a situation. Uh, and Balfour to me is, is still a guy you you hold on to for however long it takes. Um, and Ado uh, is – I mean, I guess it's questionable whether you could own him in mixed leagues. I would certainly want him in a 15-team mixed league. Um, it's just – it's it's – like you said, it's a mess. <laughs> yeah.
1: I still think that Balfour has a chance to come out of this if he's not injured. I just. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There are years that he has, full years, where he just doesn't really have his own. Um, but then there's that added that added tick of, you know, what's happened to his velocity and stuff. So.
0: Yeah, that's definitely I, don't know. I think
1: they're probably all of And, you know, in most mixed leagues, all of them will be owned. So. Yeah. I'd rather own McGee, like you said, because he's the one giving you the best strikeouts and ratios.
0: Yeah. The situation is a little different for another of the Florida teams. Uh, It's also in a different area of the pitching staff with the uh, rotation being juggled up quite a bit. Jacob Turner is to the bullpen for the Marlins, and that's because they are calling up Andrew Heaney. This is a much-anticipated move. Uh, They also designated Randy Wolf for assignment. Uh, Basically, it's another little bit of a wave of a youth movement for the Marlins here. A couple of other players have have joined the club. Uh... For different reasons, but uh, this is it. This is kind of what a lot of fantasy owners have received a lot of questions about Heaney in the chat. Um, what do you? <laughs> how excited are you? I mean, certainly this is a guy you want to own in a lot of leagues uh, from the very start. But um, how, what are your expectations? To me, it's it's difficult. I don't have a great deal of familiar with, familiarity with him, but I'm a little I'm a little hesitant to think that this guy is going to be the immediate fantasy difference maker.
1: In Andrew Haney? Yes. Yeah. You know, going into this year, before before this year, I would have said that his strikeout rate would be mediocre and that he's kind of a polished guy with great command um, that at home would probably be a spot starter. Um, and I doubt that I should really change my opinion too much based on 23 innings, but it is worth mentioning that he got into AAA, and, you know, let me see his raw counts here. He's he's walked uh, two batters against 27 strikeouts in 23 innings. So, I mean, he took his game up another notch in AAA. And, uh, you know, of course, everyone's looking at that and saying, you know, he's he's, you know, the cream of the crop. And he's probably one of the better ones still to go, but... You know, I, I've seen more of Meyer. I loved Meyer. I've seen more of Strowman. I loved Stroman. I haven't seen much of any. And, you know, there are some inconsistencies in his strikeout rate, you know, as he advanced in the minor league. So, you know, Steve projects him for a 7K9 and an ERA under four and a good walk rate. And, you know, maybe I'll take the under on that ERA and, and give him like a 3 5 or something. In a one-two-five whip or something like that, just because good control. I don't think he'll give up almost a homer per nine in in Florida like that, um, as the as the projections have him doing. So, I think he could have a mid threes ERA and about you know seven strikeouts per nine innings, which I think in fantasy is probably about an average starter. I don't think that it's uh, a top tier starter, but it, it's 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 definitely above replacement.
0: Yeah, um, I think. <clears throat> What just concerned me? I mean, he's not—he's not a strikeout pitcher um, in the traditional sense, or the kind of the favorite sense that he has the high velocity. Uh, I mean, it's—it's it's kind of low ninety stuff, and just I guess a good bit of the profile minus some control problems. I mean, maybe he just kind of reminded me of a little bit better version of Tyler Skaggs when he was coming up, and I don't know much about him, so that's pretty much all I had to compare him to. And I mean, that's—that's that's what makes me a little cautious. Not this—I mean. Skaggs is kind of having a breakthrough season, uh, but again, it took him it took him you know a good year or so to really kind of hit on that in terms of uh, uh, his major league potential. And uh, I mean, it just you
1: know to be, to be fair to, to Skaggs, there I think there was a little bit more disagreement about who he was uh, coming up. Um, and I wouldn't I would be interested in knowing their relative prospect rankings because. Uh, I remember Skaggs being much more open to debate even before any sort of surges or, or regressions. Um, whereas I think the the worst thing I've said or heard said about Haney is that he's polished. So, um, you know, I wouldn't have said that about Skaggs. You know, and I, I've watched him. I watched him at 94 in the minor leagues and thought, "Wow, this guy's going to be great." Got a big old curve, got a decent change in 94 miles an hour. Then I watched him in the major leagues; he was 89 miles an hour. And I remember thinking, this isn't going to work at 89. It's going to look like Barry Zito. Old <laughs> Barry Zito. And then he got it back up to 93 with the Angels, and uh, everything looks better. So I, 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 I haven't heard as much of the sort of velocities up and downs um, with Haney. And, you know, I, I've heard from the beginning he just doesn't have a lead velocity, but he commands all three pitches, and he's, and he's a polished guy. So, um you know, I think the question is just how how good he can be, not necessarily how bad he can be.
0: Okay, and that's certainly encouraging. I mean, it's I, regardless of whatever skepticism skepticism is there, he certainly deserves some attention. Um, uh, trying to think of would you? Here's a question because it's about to get to a rotation. Would you drop say a? I mean, I have I have Ribi De La Rosa in tout, and I. Considered dropping him first, but then I thought, you know, I think I think he's going to have a great start against Minnesota. And I'll, side note, I uh, forgot to click submit and change my lineup at the last minute, uh, so there were a couple of guys I left out. But anyway, um, De La Rosa had a fantastic start, and, uh, and uh, I really like his upside, and it looks like he's a possibility. I mean, is there, a, is there a certain pitcher in that kind of class? I mean, there's a question as to whether he's going to retain his rotation spot. Uh, what kind of what kind of pitcher would you drop? Yeah, can you think anybody off the top of your head for a shot at, with a Heaney? Haney. I'm not sure how to say it.
1: Yeah, that's a De La is interesting one. I mean, the problem with De is also that he's he averages barely over five for a start uh, all this year. So, you know, he's not going to get you many wins, and. You know, that's part of why you are. He's going to get you strikeouts. He does have great stuff. Right? And I'm kicking myself for not having shares of Dale Rosa actually, because I had him for so long, and I just thought, oh, God, I can't can't deal with this Tommy John. and taking forever to come back. So I now have no shares of him now that he's good again. Um, <clears throat> but I think I'm, you know, Haney has... I don't think he has much of an innings problem. Let me see here. Last year, he pitched uh, 94, uh, 123 innings. So he can go probably to about uh, 150 innings this year, maybe 160. And uh, he's only pitched 70 so far. So I think he still has like 80, 90, 100 innings left in him, whereas... Del Rosa, I'm much more um, worried about, you know, how much he has left, how many innings he has left, and how many he's still team and stuff like that. Oh, so, uh, I think I, I might actually make that, make that, that drop. It's the kind of thing where I'd have both. I know that these those answers don't, um, you know, Peacock. That 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 level, I would definitely drop for him. Um, you know, if you're holding on to Salzar redraft, uh, if you make the move to Haney, at least you're staying in that sort of high up, upside area. Um, actually, please scroll through my uh, mentions. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Henderson Alvarez, I would drop for Haney. Ah, interesting. Uh, Henderson Alvarez has no strikeouts. Um, Zach Wheeler. See Wheeler, I think I could drop for Hayden.
0: That's interesting. Wheeler
1: man is not quite there, and I don't think he has enough strikeouts to make me, you know, stick with a one point three five whip or whatever.
0: Okay, I can see that. I personally, I like Wheeler. I and I'm probably at this point a bit of a slave to it, but I would probably, I'd be. I'd be much too hesitant to drop Wheeler, especially because he's already had the exposure and I like the velocity and things like that. I don't know <clears throat> if he's had any kind of uh, regression as far, or as drop, I should say, in velocity. I haven't actually checked in a little bit, but um, just in general and knowing his, what I think is his potential. And maybe I'm overestimating him at this point, but I do like him quite a bit and I would I would definitely be hesitant to. But you're getting into... I mean, yeah, that's, there's a gray area there. There's a lot of upside with the guys we are talking about, but there's also there's some unpredictableness and some downside. Yeah. Um, there is some, some more upside. Uh, this purely, I wanted to bring this up because um, I think it's it's worth talking about. First of all, uh, the, the Rockies option, Juan Nicasio. Obviously, Tyler Matzik is up right now. We've already talked about uh, the Eddie Butler promotion, and he's on the DL. doesn't sound like he has much of a serious uh, issue with the shoulder, and so he'll be back yeah, sometime soon, relatively soon. Uh, but made me wonder, uh, John Gray has had, uh, I mean, continues to kind of dominate at, at uh, in the minor leagues, and uh, the, the Rockies seem to be kind of moving toward this, uh, a bit of a movement as well. I mean, Nicasio has certainly not done anything to warrant his rotation spot any longer. Uh, they've already demoted Franklin Morales, for instance, so... Uh, Gray, assuming that Matzik, i mean, it's going to depend somewhat on how he pitches. I'm sure, but uh, is this—I mean, this is another pitcher that folks have been anticipating. We know he's kind of that front-line potential. Are you picking this guy up? Are you waiting to see how it goes? If if he if he was to get the promotion, would you be uh, first in line?
1: I, I remember, you know, him versus that um, was supposed to be the the big, uh, the big decision at the top of that draft. Um, so I know that, you know, he's an exciting pitcher. He, you know, I like that he has the change and the slider. Um, and there seems to be a pretty good gap between his change and his, and his four-seamer. Ten miles an hour is sort of what people look for, um, for, for using it for whiffs. Um, he doesn't throw a curve, which is something I like uh, for for uh, call writers. Um, from what I heard, you know, the town I was talking to the writers about about Eddie Butler, and uh, I think that um, uh, they're mostly happy about Eddie Butler, and they think that um, he could uh, that he could back back the shoulder feels fine there's no problems there so I think Eddie Butler is part of this uh, solution um, I think it's interesting that John Jonathan gray lost a bunch of strikeouts in in double-a this year much like Eddie Butler did so I, I'm not gonna um, say right away that um, you know it's necessarily that he couldn't handle double-a uh, because you um, it could be that, like Eddie Butler, he was asked to work on on some, you know, particular facet of his game. So um, I, I will put Gray a little bit behind Haney. I mean, what you might have noticed from my answers about Haney, uh, I kept coming back to the park a little bit in the in the competition. You know, at the very worst with Haney, you can start him at home against lesser teams, and he, you you know, you don't have that sort of nervousness. With Gray, you really have to spot start him at first. I mean, there's no way that I'm going to take him and put him into anything. Uh, even my 20-teamer, if I had Gray, uh, the first week he was pitching, I probably would still leave him on my bench um, because it's just the the the, the line, it's just, it's. I mean, just look at Eddie Butler's first start. It was at home, and he got rocked. So, you know, and these guys are playing in Colorado Springs. They do have an idea of what it's like, but you know, then to throw them actually into the fire in Coors Field, um, you know, I hear you a lot more on the sort of inconsistencies and the doubt and the maybe negativity when it comes to a prospect uh, when it comes to John Gray than I do with Haney, just because, you know, just because of that home park, really.
0: Hmm. But in. Uh... Tyler, it's interesting. Matzic was kind of the opposite when he was caught up, and he made his debut in Coors Field and was dominant for what, what was it, seven innings? I think uh, he gave up no runs and struck out seven, didn't walk anyone either. And uh, obviously, it was a different story against the Dodgers in his second start, uh, not nearly as as effective. Um, gave up a number, uh, I think, ten hits in five innings, um, but and walked a couple. And I mean, it's. It's certainly going to be a case where Matzik has to pitch his way out of that spot. Who knows how long they'll give him. Um, I mean, Gray intrigues me at it, uh, simply because of his reputation against another. But, yeah, I, I have that same kind of hesitancy when it comes to any pitcher in Colorado. Um, and I think uh, you know, Butler is Butler is the more appealing of the two. Uh, obviously, it's probably easy to say, considering that's kind of the way Colorado saw it, also. <laughs> right. But, yeah. But uh, I mean, it's it's certainly it's talent to watch, regardless, and uh, in NL only leagues, at least you're certainly keeping your eye on these guys. And only keeper leagues, you know, uh, for folks who can't pick up a player until he's exposed to the majors, or something like that. Whatever it is, uh, the talent is. Or we've hit that period where the talent is coming uh, sooner or later. So. Uh, it's good to be on alert for that. Uh, I mentioned the Boston situation. Uh Felix Debrant is pretty much near the end of his uh, rehab assignment. I think he uh he had a, an okay outing in his last rehab start. Uh, and I mean it appears as long as the Red Sox, if the Red Sox want to bring him back, he's ready. I know the Clay Buckholes is pretty close. He's going to make at least one more rehab start. Uh, he did not pitch well. DuBron has not pitched well. Brandon Workman has Pretty pretty well, I think. And uh, De La Rosa, as we already talked about, he's he's had two great starts and two not so great starts. Uh, but this is it's it's clearly a, a situation where Boston still views itself as a team that wants to get back to the postseason, see if it can repeat. Um, Dubrant has has to, I mean to me he's kind of the obvious candidate. I think as long as when the Red Sox are ready to bring him back, uh, it'll probably uh, I mean it could easily be in a bullpen role. They certainly don't have to get rid of one of the two, kind of higher upside, um, well not necessarily higher upside in the case of Workman, but uh, certainly more polished, uh, right-handers. But uh, and then Buckholz, uh, they he was not pitching well before he went on the disabled list. But there's this, there was the speculation that there could have been whether it was something wrong physically or whatever. We've already talked about buckholes on the show previously too as a player who is he doesn't necessarily really appeal to either of us and uh, that hasn't really changed. I mean, there's certainly, there's going to be the possibility, for instance, if he was dropped, uh, that he worked on something mechanically, and so he's ready to kind of turn things around, because that was a big focus on his, uh, once he went on the disabled list with this. I mean, frankly, it looked like a phantom injury, so I think that that's, it's easy, it's, it makes sense to speculate there, um, but.
1: Yeah, I think Dubron looks a little bit more hurt. Um, I mean, he's down to the uh, worst velocity of his career, um uh, let me see the other um uh, the other quick way to look is zone percentage. Although his zone percentage is actually the best of his career, so um who knows there. But anyway, you know, dropping from ninety three miles an hour to below ninety in two years, um, I think is is indicative of something being wrong. And it also uh, points to just how you know thin the ice is that that Dubron is on. I mean when he, three years ago, when he was ninety-three, he struck out nine. He struck out about a per inning, you know. And since his strikeout rates dropped every year, and you know, with the control that he's got, the command that he's got, he needs that velocity. So I think, I think he's definitely headed to the pen. And I think that there's almost no way that I look at Ruby De La Rosa and say, okay, we're gonna sit that guy and bring in Felix DeBron as a career <laughs> of four six seven. And, you know, over 404 innings. And, you know, for what it's worth, you know, his FIP and his other numbers are also over four. So <clears throat> I, don't, I don't think that Dubron's pushing him. Uh, Buckles is another story. But um, and you know, I, 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 it's, it's really interesting because I really like Alan Webster, too.
0: And, mm, me, too.
1: you know, got Anthony Rinaldo. Most people talk to think that Anthony Reinaldo is, is going to be in a trade. So the the best trade package is something like Ronaldo and Betts if they really want to uh, go get someone like Samarja or something. So, um, you know, as it is, I think if he's not out of innings, he's ahead of Workman just on stuff. And uh, so, therefore, it might be Workman that uh, loses his spot to a healthy buckles, which may never
0: come. <laughs> yeah, there is always a possibility that there's never such a thing as a healthy buck holes, and and, the, and there are many there are many little plays on words you can make there.
1: Yeah, I think you need to rush to pick up New
0: Yes, yeah, I wouldn't be in a rush to do that. And and I mean the the Red Sox, they are it's a team that is it's a little bit in disarray for for one that. Views itself still as a, I mean it's it's clawing. I, I feel as if my feeling about this team is that it's clinging somewhat desperately to and and um, I mean justifiably uh, you know it's it, it is a roster that largely uh, I mean other than the loss of Ellsbury and the and the mix that they have now I mean it's 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 quite a bit the same as the team that won the World Series. I mean this is it's and it's an AL East that's certainly winnable, um, but. It's just, it's, it's such a team in disarray at the moment um, with Shane Victorino on the disabled list. And they're starting Brock Holt in center field tonight. Uh, the the Grady Sizemore experiment has ended. They designated him for assi- assignment. Um, there's been talk. This is something we talked about with a uh, special guest, Larry Schechter, a bit on Sunday. I mean, he's an avid Red Sox follower. I thought he might have some in, insight. Uh, Bur- Middle Brooks is supposed to get some time, and uh, or possibly is going to get some time in left field on his minor league rehab assignment. Uh, they've called up Garen. You're going to have to help me with this one. You know, I know that you're a pronunciation master. <laughs> Come on. Is it Garen? Caccini? Uh, Caccini.
1: I think it's Caccini, but, uh, Caccini. I'm going to go with Caccini.
0: That sounds Caccini right to me. That sounds fantastic. I think uh, I'm going to go with that <laughs> as well. Um, uh, he's a prospect you want on your radar. I, I mean, I don't think that this kid is going to get some playing time. Um, I mean, my guess is, I mean, uh, Stephen, the Stephen Drew, Xander Bogarts, essentially, uh, Bogarts, essentially, the platoon there. Um, that's gonna, that's gonna stick, and and Caccini is just up. Caccini, how I already screwed it up. He anyway, he's there uh, basically to provide moral support. Um, and it's I mean it's a bit of a mess uh but Daniel Navas I mean he's they called him up and he's kind of hit a little bit uh this time around this is the kind of guy I would hope to I, I mentioned on Sunday that I would hope most to speculate on as being the guy by the end of the season who may be the most valuable uh player in left field for the for the Red Sox in terms of fantasy but uh he could also be the first to go by the time active, uh, Victor Reno is activated. And a lot of this is going to depend on the timing of performances and things like that. Um, what do you make of this as far as <laughs> uh, the, the, the makeup of the roster at this moment? Um, are, how bummed are you about the Sizemore thing?
1: Like from a, from a standpoint, it would have been really nice uh, to see Sizemore succeed, but um, this has been sort of a long time coming. Yeah, And uh, he hasn't really, uh, I don't know. I, I, I've seen some opinions that, you know, if his strikeout rate was a little bit better and his batting average regressed, if batting average on balls in play regressed a little bit, he could be a, a you know, a league average out. I suppose so, but the strikeout rate has been going the wrong way for a long time. So I don't necessarily think, hold that much hope for that. The BABIP, you know, it's really hard to, to know if he's just, Not putting any authority into the ball, or or you know he should have a three hundred Babbitt. So I I I, I think that Sizemore might be done, and uh, that's that's a little bit sad. But uh, he did have a great great little peak, and that was was the Grady's ladies will never be forgotten.
0: (laughs) A fantastic fan club.
1: Uh, What what I have what I you know what I have left is it is kind of weird for a team like the Red Sox that have a strong sort of numbers-based front office, a stat-based front office, you know that on some level they're trying not to make decisions based on small samples. So, you know, hopefully, you know, it won't matter too much what happens in the next couple of weeks. But at the same time, they have to figure out how to be competitive this year. And you're right. I think that performances will matter a little bit. So, you know, when Victorino comes back... um, you know, you you probably give him one of the, the positions, even though an email from uh, my friends and, uh, and uh, you know, competitors in, in one of my longest leagues. I have an email from him. He's talking about Victorino in another league. And um, <clears throat> let's see. He says, is Victorino droppable in my 12-team league? And we kind of go back and forth. And then, you know, I asked him, you know, what's wrong with Victorino other than his hamstring? And he says uh, he's always hurt. Uh, his distance from fantasy replacement level is, is shrinking every year. And even last year when he had a good a good year, he hit like a garbage fire uh, for most of the season until it was a hot streak at the end of the year. And he said, take away the power binge uh, from last September and August when he hit 10 homers. And uh, he had a 741 OPS before the All Star break. He's 34 years old, and um, you know we know some bitches age really badly. So it's worth it's worth wondering if Victorino is actually a mixed league outfielder at this point. Um, but anyways, he's probably the Sox right fielder when he's in there. I, feel, I, I can never. keep... Yes, he's a I think that still leaves something um, available in center field. And I'm not sure that Victorino is, um, you know, who you want in center field. I think some of his plus defensive numbers last year came from putting him in the corner. So, um, you know, unless they go to Victorino center, and uh, and if they do that, then they can mix and match on the corners. They could do them, uh, Nava – uh, platoon on one side, um, and uh, I think that, that you know, even if they, even if that happens, even if they put Victorino in center, Gomes and Nava in one corner, and they they want to fake it with maybe Bradley and Carp in the other corner, that's still a situation that's begging for an outfielder, and they have a really excellent young outfielder who's killing the ball in the minor leagues, and he's be He's playing Betts. I love me some Lukey Betts. <laughs> and last time we talked, I, <clears throat> I said that Betts needed to hit a couple homers uh, to, to make his line look like every other line put up. And he hit two homers. And now he's got a 292, 404, 479 flash, slash line of AAA. And uh, he's doing that at 21. He's never had a low 10%. He's never struck out. He only once struck out more than he walked. Um, he's shown power and stolen bases at every, every, every point and, and now they're probably just waiting for him to feel comfortable in center. But, if they bring Victorino up, you know, what they could do is, you know, okay, Vic, Victorino, you're going to try out center for a little bit. We'll see if you can actually do it. We're going to do Gomes and Nava left. We're going to try in Betts and Wright and if Betts looks amazing in the end going to switch that up and put Victorino in right and Betts in center and then Betts is ready to go I think he's going to hold on to his job and and be a major leaguer you know I I just think that given the way that he approaches things at the plate you know and he, he just doesn't have the strikeout rate he's kind of like Jackie Bradley Jr but without the strikeouts so I think <clears throat> I think he'll He'll be good. I think he'll be really good. You know, the power is the only question I have for him. Um, But it's shown up most of the time. So I think he can at least manage league average power with 20 to 30 stolen bases and a 290, 280, 290, 300 batting average. And that's going
0: to play in every league. Yeah, I think um, for me, Bex is... Open for him, right? I'm sorry?
1: Still a spot open for him, right, when you look at it?
0: Yeah, I think... uh, Um, sometime in the second half, I mean, I don't think it's, I don't think it's imminent, but I think that they're, I mean, they're paving the way. I think that they're working their way toward it. Um, you, you certainly convinced me of that. And I think, um, regardless, I mean, this is not necessarily a player I'm looking to stash right away in mixed leagues, but it's a player that, uh, um, I'm not really concerned about whether he hits for power based on, um, I mean, we play in OBP league in 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 OBP leagues. I way want him, and in uh, batting average leagues, I still way want him, Um, and it's because he's going. It's he mixes such a fantastic set of on base skills with the speed that I don't even care. I mean, he could hit zero home runs, and I'm pretty confident that he's going to help me somewhere besides batting average. Uh, and that includes, I mean, he's going to hit at the top of that lineup. They struggle to find someone that can really consistently hit at the top of that lineup too. Uh, they tried a number of different players up there. So I, I think that it, the situation is eventually begging for them to make that move, it seems. And um, when they do, that's, that's, it's certainly a player I want to own, especially uh, in leagues where I'm, I'm hurting for speed. Uh, but I would want him regardless because he's going to be a commodity, and you shouldn't let someone else get him. Yeah. Um, it, it, I mean, I'm <laughs> not even sure what else to say about it. It's it looks like a mess. It, it, I I think that um, I mean, it's just not, it's not really clear. Like they have so many guys who are just they're uh, basically bodies. Uh, and a number of them filled the roles last year I think that they i I think that they would really like to see I think that they they pretty well like Nava and that's just that's just kind of my feeling that's the vibe I get from the situation they would like to see him uh, be a regular part of the outfield against right-handed pitching but um I mean, this you know certainly this is this is still far from working itself out, uh, and they're certainly open to changing things, as they've already done recently. Uh, so the next major change could be an arrangement that involves uh, bets easily. And uh, anything that uh, excites you about Jake Mariznick uh, now that the Marlins have called him up, this is basically it's a temporary move. Now that uh, Christian Yelich is on the DL, uh, or I'm sorry, Christian Yelich, I think it is. Um, Mariznick. mean, we know that he's kind of a fourth outfielder type. Uh, playing time uh, at the moment is is his for a couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, I, I joke that Mariznick has the same problems Yelick and Ozuna without any of the same benefits. I mean, the same tools. He doesn't have the same power as those guys, and he has he strikes out too much and doesn't walk enough. But um, you know, for what it's worth, this year he did have his best minor league strikeout rate of his career. Um, and you know it's certainly possible that he's figured some some aspect of his game out that allow him to put the ball in play more often, and you know not have a good on base percentage, but have a decent batting average, uh, poke a couple out, and and steal bases. Um, and it's certainly possible also that he, despite um, some of the questions of his defense and stuff like that, um, you know, there's still a possibility that he's the best defensive center fielder. And they see they see that over the next couple of days. I just don't know what that means um, to them. You know, on the win, on their spot on the wind curve, what they if they want to move Stanton to first, uh, because I think that they've also seen enough from Ozuna and Yale to know that those guys are starting outfielders. So yeah, um, you know, I think it's a good problem to have. I just don't know that it's going to result with Marisnik having an everyday job in the major leagues this year. Um, it may mean in the future, Stanton, you know, starts playing some first base so that he you can play first base next year or something. I don't know. Yeah, I think Stanton does have a bat for first base, and it's fine. So I, I think did. I just say that I loud? <laughs> I just have a bat. I don't have to say. I no, think. I,
0: I, you didn't. There. I actually only heard it in your mind.
1: Uh, did you see that screamer <laughs> of a home run? He said he hit. Yes. Uh, the, a... the, close
0: line, the the clothesline. The word clothesline doesn't even do it justice.
1: I don't think you know, moonshots are fine and moonshots are great, but that one was really impressive because I was like, Oh, why are they showing me a single the other way? <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was, that was truly an amazing feat of superhuman proportion. And it happened yeah. in baseball. It was ridiculous. That's, that's the kind of thing you see in, uh, like man of steel movies and stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was, uh, I, I, I had to do a double take. I hit the I hit the back button. Uh, did a little rewind on the DVR. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I think uh, we've we've talked a little about uh, prospect call ups and things like that. And there's just some rumors uh, that the Braves are considering a call up. I'm interested to see how this would even play out. The uh, I guess Christian Bettencourt is a, a rumor is that the Braves pondered a move that would uh, bring him to the major league roster. He supposedly is cut down on a strikeout rate um, is this I find I find it a little hard to see how this this fits um, it, the numbers still aren't glaringly impressive to me I don't know if this is just the kind of rumor that is um, it's something to talk about is maybe it's an alternative because they can put Gaddis in the outfield and make some changes around the and get and that's a way to get BJ up there in the lineup I still think that Upton is kind of slowly coming around. Maybe it's really slowly, molasses like slowly, and maybe it's not at all. Um, but uh, anything you see is a way of this shaking out uh, that this has actually come to fruition, or that even, and if it does, uh, do fantasy owners have to be interested?
1: One thing that I would say in, in the Christian Beckert's defense or in his corner is that. He was always supposed to be like an all-glove guy. So this may be a question about defense rather than uh, off. I and mean, I have to find a play <clears throat> because um, you know I don't think you know. Okay, maybe it hasn't happened yet in terms of blocks and so on, so forth. Uh, Like, he's basically when it's a framing. I'm looking at Port right now. Uh, He gets uh, uh, 0.1 extra calls per game, so he's pretty much uh, the framing pitches this year. Uh, That means that there's a lot of people ahead of him um, considering there's 2 catch a team. And it's Probably means that Benton Court will be better than him at that at that phase of the game. Um, So, you know, maybe they think we can get a little bit extra defense behind the plate. We won't lose that much defense in center. We can turn uh, Upton into a great, um, you know, fourth outfielder, Um, and uh, we can still have Gaddis Gaddis's bat in there when we want him. And you know, you know, a Gaddis Upton. Platoon basically in the outfield would be pretty effective, I think. I mean, wherever you put Gaddis, his defense isn't going to be great and his power is going to be good. So if you could put Gaddis in left field for six innings, uh, he hits a homer, you take him out, you put BJ Upton in, you know, maybe he slides over to center and Hayward back over to right or whatever. Um, But uh, that might actually be one of the better ways to use their resources. At the same time, you're right. Upton has been coming around. He's above replacement this year, at least. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Rejoice. Um, yeah, his his rest of season projections have him you know, hovering around 10% worse than the average uh, with the bat, which would make him pretty close to a, uh, an average player by the end of the year. So, I don't know. Um, I, think, uh, I think this is certainly possible but it has a little bit more to do with defense and team structure than it does with um bj upton in particular i think because bj upton will be a part of any of the solution that they do yeah
0: that certainly makes sense and now that i'm um i'm bringing here also there there's it seems to be that there are conflicting reports that some of the beat guys are saying uh, at least one of them is reporting that uh, this is not something the braves are talking about and the rumor i think came from um i'm not mistaken it came from one of the uh the beat guys from uh, the official site so those guys tend to have a little more insight but i i am totally kind of speaking off the cuff based on some stuff i read earlier and uh, at this point a lot of the information gets jumbled and as long as i can repeat it fairly well back to the the speaker um in general I'm happy and I don't necessarily remember all the sources so apologize Mr. Mark Bowman <laughs> or, or whoever it was uh, but yeah, I mean it's it's certainly something that's I mean it's an interesting it's an interesting proposal solution and uh, I mean it's yeah it doesn't sound like it's going to have any major fantasy implications uh, even if, it, if something like that happens and, but it just and it seems it seems a little rash and a little too soon for them to consider it. Uh, Betancourt is still he's still in development phase in a lot of aspects of his game so yeah um, we shall see. Uh, in the meantime, uh, the, the Rockies have called up Kyle Parker. This is a player who is uh, he, he could play corner outfield spots and first base, and uh, certainly with uh, <clears throat> excuse me with Carlos Gonzalez as well as Michael Cady on the disabled list for an extensive period. There's been there's been some projection that he could factor into the playing time as well, and that's certainly that's exactly what we need is another guy who could uh, be a part of the playing time picture in the Colorado outfield. Uh, is this a, is this a player that I mean? Any time a guy gets caught up and he and he hits pretty well uh, and he plays for Colorado, I think, and only managers of their fantasy teams have to be interested. How interested is the question?
1: Uh, they, 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 he's an interesting guy because he's been he's you know been higher on on prospect lists and then dropped a little, and people talk about how stiff he is and how he needs to basically hit uh, at first base uh, because they're not sure he's going to be an outfielder long-term. But, you know, at his age, I think he can probably still uh, play outfield. And I think, you know, he's right-handed. I think he's probably going to be in a platoon with Corey Dickerson because what I've seen of the use of Corey Dickerson, he's been mostly in there against right-handers. So they could use... um, you know, whether it be for Dickerson or um, sort of platoon with um, Stubbs in center. Um, Justin Morneau
0: also, I guess, if they want to consider that. Although I think that that's Mourneau is pretty, has hit pretty, I haven't checked his splits, but he's having a pretty good year. So I don't think that there's a. Yeah, there's I think
1: there. they, they, they were sitting him against some lefties early on, but I think they stopped doing that. So okay. I think it's more likely that it's, it's uh, a corner outfield spot. And they do something like, you know, even if Dickerson or Blackman is is playing against a lefty, they play in center and Parker plays in in a corner um, outfield spot to spell um, some lefty against the lefty. So um, that doesn't really leave a lot of opportunity for uh, most fantasy leagues.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think. I mean, he's strictly an and only commodity until further notice. Um, so, and, and that's, uh, I, I think it's the best place to leave it because I want to get to the most, to me, this is the most exciting news of the day, especially for fantasy purposes. Uh, the Rangers have signed Carlos Pena to a minor league contract. And now moving on to some other topics. Um, <laughs> really, I guess reality is, is, I mean, there's always the opportunity for playing time there. But Carlos Pena, I mean, he was, you know, what is he? 38 million years old now. Um, and even yeah. I know the glove at this point is not, is not even close to plus the last time he played with uh, Houston and what was it? Seattle or wherever, wherever else he got like a, a the, I'm sorry, with the angels, he got a kind of a last ditch effort to hang on and the defense wasn't even playing well. So, um, I mean, anytime a guy signs in with the Rangers and there's, and there may be playing time available course you, you may want to pay attention but I, I just don't see this being something I mean I think the Rangers are just desperate to sign a guy who is you know could turn out to be uh, you know maybe they do strike a little bit of gold here as the season comes to a close
1: you know there's that Brad Snyder spot yeah <laughs> um, no, honestly I mean there's 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 a spot against uh, I think against righties in in, um, in at first base so um, there's actually space for him and, and, and Brad Snyder's, I'm surprised they, they call Snyder, but, uh, they did. And so, so that's, that's what's going on, I guess. Uh, now I'm glad that I have Andy Chavez in utility instead of Brad Snyder in my <laughs> <laughs> labor squad. Oh God.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations. I would like to say on your championship. It's destined. <laughs>
1: <Right on. laughs> My shot is all the way to the top.
0: It's not. well, Snyder's actually a left-handed hitter, I guess. I mean, there's I think um what surprised me. Uh I mean I think I, I think first of all, they're crossing their fingers since <clears throat> Mitch Moreland is going for his third opinion on his ankle. Uh so the first two were clear to that enough to convince him that he needs uh, a serious um, type of surgery on his ankle uh but i, I think <clears throat> excuse me i think i think you're contagious even through the computer
1: no. <laughs> uh,
0: i mean it's it's frankly it's just disappointing that it's a mess in in texas because the lineup could be so good otherwise but um I, I have yet to see anything from Carlos Peña. I haven't seen anything from him in the last two years to think that this guy is worth holding on to in fantasy if anything he's more of a liability so yeah. <clears throat> uh, but, uh, I mean,
1: you could sometimes say on base percentage leagues, but really his strikeout rate has got it just tanks his on base percentage too so it's he's yeah he's barely usable anyway
0: yeah <clears throat> uh, before we uh, close out. Uh, the the session uh, for episode number one thirty want to talk about a couple of requested topics and this is one actually I'm going to I'm I'm going to be looking at this I I typically write about the catchers here and I've been really intrigued by this but uh, haven't had had a chance to really look at this in depth um, a, a reader slash listener asked us uh, about Will and Rosario and at this point what's what's the deal with his numbers uh, do we do we have any concerns about whether there's a platoon split issue uh, and what you know, kind of what is a what is outlook for the rest of the season? And uh, also, I guess this person is you know, wondering what the comparison is in terms of uh, De- as it relates to Derek Norris. Maybe you have an opportunity to drop one for the other. I don't. I'm not sure exactly what the idea was, or maybe a trade or something. But uh, point is, is that Rosario is obviously clearly disappointed. It's, I mean, it's a player. Judging from Eno's and the groups, or the, I'm sorry, the consensus. Rotograss rankings of the catchers uh, I, I've, I've been leaving Rosario kind of in a top tier position I mean I, I, I haven't seen anything particularly alarming other than that the output has been disappointing uh, and it's a great obviously it's a great run environment uh, but I mean sooner or later there's, there's, there's something to this uh, are you concerned that there's not going to be some kind of major turnaround here um, and uh, if you're not why is that
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I never, one thing is I never thought of him like a seven-year B hitter. I mean, I thought of, it. it's funny, too, because I thought of him as a worse hitter because of his strikeout rate, and then he improved his strikeout rate, and his batting average went down. So, um, you know, I see what people are talking about this year, he's hitting 195 against righties and just totally mashing lefties. Um, but I watched him against, um, you know, one-year um uh, yeah, platoons, just because that's a small sample, you know, 120 appearance not very big for platoons. With So if you look at his career, um, he's got a two forty six batting average, 176 ISO against righties. Um, yeah, he strikes out 25% of the time, and that's why there is a platoon split, but it's not as bad as, as this year's, you know. Um, I think... I think he gets to 40 against right power, and the power is the key. That's why he's. That's why his team is running him out there, and that's why, um, you know, your fantasy. So uh, I was providing, uh, my concept of his batting average down a little bit. My expectations for his batting average, um, and I think he can probably hit the 250, 260 that I thought he would hit uh, the rest of the way, and you know. His power's still there. He has the same ISO almost as last year. He would be, you know, basically on pace to do exactly what he did last year, so um I think uh just I don't think he was ever a two ninety hitter.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean uh, we we certainly should have had uh, lower expectations about his average coming into the season uh, because, of, I mean, even <clears throat> even in the minor leagues, he, he didn't uh, consistently put up a good batting average. And I think that that's... I mean, the, the power is the one thing you know you could rely on. He has a lot of that. Uh, really struggled, I mean, in the power department early on, uh, but it's kind of come on a little bit there lately. And it could be a question... I mean, he's, had, he's dealt with a little bit of uh, some nagging health issues, and that's not going to be uncommon for a lot of catchers. So... I mean, I'm not overly really concerned about the platoon split thing, same as you. I think, um, other than the fact, I mean, there certainly could be the case where they figured out the right-handers have figured out kind of uh, what is the way to attack him, and uh, you know, sooner or later he figures that out as well, and just kind of uh, content, you know becomes a little more patient against him. It's not going to result in any kind of huge rebound in his batting average against him per se, but um, I mean, it's a maturing player. Uh, I think, you know. It, He's, he's missed a little time this season and overall i still think he gets on pace easily for what he did last year in the home run department in the power department so um
1: and, you know with the norris thing i i i you know i prefer norris in real life um but i'm i, I still prefer rosario in, in fantasy And the, the, the point being that you know norris's team is actually platooning him right now and he's playing mostly against lefties so that just kills his plate appearances things and i know He's right on the cusp of being mixed league relevant, and I love what he's done. And he's really cut his strikeout rate. And I mean, he's done a lot of things that are really great. I wonder how many of those things uh, were so great because he's basically just been facing lefties, um, and if his numbers will get much worse when he faces righties. But I think at some point the, the A's are probably going to take the shackles off and let him face more righties. Um, it's That's a bit actually awkward.
0: I hate to cut you off, but I'm going to. And it's because actually that's uh, Norris is, uh, wrote about Nor- was the question about Norris is what made me look into him first I guess and um, they have they've actually been playing him against righties a good deal I want to say that he's got a roughly and again we're we're talking about small samples because of him but they've been they've been using him against right-handers and both the peripherals and the results have been pretty solid against right-handers this year. And he has a really long track record. Uh, you can check out the article today, and he he has a really long track record of performing pretty well against right-handed pitchers in the minors. Totally different scenario um, because platoon splits can be a lot more exaggerated than the majors. But um, I think I think a lot of what we've seen so far is really encouraging about that, and I think that uh, you know eventually could set up the A's in the long run to be to take the shackles off even further. But he's actually. He's actually he hasn't been pretty strictly platoon, platoon this year.
1: That's interesting because I just figured, you know, I see Jaso in the lineup a lot, and Jaso uh, must be DHing them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in order to get Derek Norris in there at catcher.
0: Yeah, and and I mean Norris has become, he's got, I think, still relatively speaking, he's kind of quietly become a top five fantasy top catcher top. in terms of performances so far, and I mean it's. Yeah. You'd you'd have to be, you might have to be uh, shooting up something to think that he's going to finish that way. But uh, it just there's there are a lot of positives in his in his underlying numbers, I think as well. Um, so yeah, that, the, re- the,
1: the, the strikeout rate being number one, I love that. And yeah, you know, one of the things that we that we saw in the past was that um, he was kind of too passive, that he was watching a lot of strike threes, and I and I saw some analysis about his ah. watch. Strike three totals being higher, so I think um, you know confidence does a lot for you, and sometimes you know confidence uh, allows you to be more aggressive and actually swing at, at pitches you like earlier and get out of those watching strike three situations, which uh, might be what's going on for Norris.
0: Oh, that's interesting. i never heard that, and that's uh, I mean that's certainly encouraging too. Considering I mean he still he still walks really frequently. Yeah, I mean he certainly. I mean that just it kind of lends to I mean his 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 knowledge of the strike zone strike zone seems off the charts off the chart. so so uh, that's uh, probably just no. a, little bit, a little bit more fuel for the fire to kind of uh, I mean st- I mean in the grand scheme of things I'm st- not in a redrafter or anything like that I'm not dropping Rosario for for norris or anything like that if you do a trade that um, nets you norris um, I, I mean, I think that there's still going to be some negative regression there. It may not hurt you as much, but I think still, I mean, it depends on what you're getting back as well. I mean, i assuming this is some kind of tandem situation. And, um, you know, if, if you're getting a big piece in place and, and, and someone else is banking on or is buying low on Rosario, I mean, you're you're kind of selling low on him. Because so, I, th- I mean, I think the numbers wind up pretty pretty good when all is said and done in the power department. Uh, we've also been asked about our pool holes, some concerns. I mean, obviously he got off to a, well, slow start at first, first couple of weeks, but then kind of exploded and was actually up over around 300 for a a short while. And the home run totals, I mean, that's at this point, that's what he, you can basically you're relying on him for. He's got the 16 home runs uh, and he's batted about two, uh, just about two fifties at two fifty seven. Uh, but reader has been concerned about his uh, fly ball distance uh, and uh, fly ball rate, things like that. And he's, he's hitting a ton of infield flies. Uh, do we see any kind of, I mean, he is, uh, we had another comment to respond to that. And basically it's true. He is, he is for, um, for lack of a better way of putting it, he is, he's basically has earned as low Babbitt. Uh, but the question is, is, uh, you know, are we going to see some corrections here? And uh, I mean, for me, it's, a, it's, it's, uh, in, a, in a positive sense, are we going to see a, a, a healthy rebound in batting average and things like that? And I think, given given the way that Pujols has kind of evolved as a player, I think, I mean, if you haven't set the ceiling a good bit lower a batting average to begin with, um, you're probably overestimating. But I mean, overall, I mean, he, I, 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 mean, I don't think he's going to continue to hit pop ups at what at fifteen percent of the time or anything like that. Um, actually, it's it's around eighteen uh, percent, and he's always been kind of around 11, 12, 13. I mean, I think that it's a case of he's still a player. He missed a good portion of last season. Uh, he still has a fantastic, um, still has a pretty fantastic uh, hitting skill set. Uh, it's just maybe it's a case where he's going through he's struggling through some things, and it's going to take some adjustments. But he's hitting for power. Um, I, I think the fly ball distance thing is probably just kind of a an effect of. Of uh, the combination of the infield flies and things like that, I mean that's going to drag it down. I don't think that I don't. I haven't seen any reason to think the power has declined too much. Uh, What do you have any thoughts on them yourself?
1: Yeah, we need to do a little bit more research on how quickly batted ball rates stabilize beyond uh, ground ball fly balls. But um, you know, considering that ground ball and fly ball uh, stabilize pretty quickly. I think maybe we could say it's been a it's not a great year for him info fly ball wise, rate wise. And if you actually look to earlier in his career, he did have some bad years with it. Um, and you know most most careers go on a bell curve. So I think he in a way he's returning to some of the issues he had uh, early early in his career. It didn't turn out to be such an issue for him. Um, uh, batting average wise, because he was stinging the crap out of the ball back in those days. <laughs> um, and I don't think he has the same power that he had those days. So, um, you know, I'm not comfortable rejecting him at 300 the rest of the season.
0: Oh, yeah, no, I wouldn't.
1: I, I think that even 285, um, his 2012 uh, batting average might be a little bit much, but, um, You know, and I actually, I do think this is the last good time in a in a dynasty league to sell him. He's 34 years old. You know, it's only going to get worse, and someone might look at his batting average on balls in play and think it's it's going to get better the second half, and um, he's showing the power and all that, and forget all the injuries and stuff, and an injury could happen tomorrow to a 34 year old like Pujols. how he's 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 really playing hard, so I I can see him you know doing something to himself. So I really I think this is one of the best times to sell him. If you if you are at all out of it, um, I think this is the time to to sell um, uh, to, to sell
0: Pujols for sure. That's yeah, a I think that's I mean it's some great advice. I like I like that quite a bit because I, yeah I was optimistic about a rebound this season by virtue simply by virtue of the fact that Pujols was by all accounts, um, including um, all all his uh, reported levels of workouts and things like that, Uh, and he was not limited really in any way in spring training other than they just kind of limited his exposure early on, Uh, totally as a precautionary measure, uh, that this was going to be a rebound uh, because the health was there, and I believe that. But, again, like that made him kind of an okay guy to target in drafts and not necessarily – uh, you know somebody you're banking on still for the long term i mean it was a it was a strictly kind of in a vacuum but good buying opportunity uh, relative to the rest of the field at first base um, but you know right now he's he's i'm not sure exactly where he falls in the in in rankings of first baseman uh, i'm certainly happy to uh, i mean he's i think he'll end up he should end up with thirty home runs um but i wouldn't i mean i wouldn't expect him to end up with a batting average above two seventy and Certainly, I you know, easily see it staying about where about where where it is. Because ultimately, I think, I mean, even if there's a little bit of a, kind of a die down as far as uh, the uh, the infield fly, bay, fly ball rate goes or anything like that, it's just it's it's, it's he's not nearly as a consistent. He's not the machine anymore. I think that's that was kind of something hard. It was it was hard to get used to a couple of years ago, but uh, that's yeah, true. I mean, not the player this
1: is that rebound that you wanted, and and you need to get it, but it's not. You know he's not who he was right, this
0: right. and if somebody still thinks say, okay well now that he's now that he's healthy again uh maybe he can give me a few more good years and if you can trick someone to think or treat you know take advantage of somebody thinking that then that's is probably not a bad time to do it and speaking of uh age, aging players uh matt holiday also but, uh, i'm sorry go yeah. ahead
1: I will have to do Matt Holiday uh, next time uh, because I got I really got to go. But I do uh, want to um, say that uh, I you know I, I I'm really saddened um, uh, to hear about the uh, <clears throat> the 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 passing of uh, the, the Padre legend and um, and uh, I, I'm sure you've seen a little bit. Uh, of this in San Diego. Yeah. But um, you know, people really love Tommy Gwen. And um, I always just thought of him as, you know, the Holy Pole uh, uh you know saying I I call I, I think I think he was a uh, and and, and the guy who you know hit um uh, you know, so often, so well, and and for so long, um, being described as having a giggle, I think um, does a, a decent job of uh, of uh, encapsulating what was so great about Tony Gwynn. So I just wanted to pay my respects to to uh, and uh, say yeah.
0: I'm I'm glad you mentioned that because I had, uh, <clears throat> I realized shortly after the intro that uh, that I had wanted to say something about him and I had made a point to. To myself to say something about him as well before we cut out. Uh, that, uh, I mean, Tony Gwynn is. Um, I mean, by everything you read about him, he is you know kind of the quintessential good person, and I think that that's like uh, for everything. I mean, I've I've read, I saw it, it was there was a fantastic tribute to him that uh, on, uh, Keith Olbermann did on Olbermann last night, um, uh, where he just he told some fantastic stories. He's he's known. Gwynn pretty intimately. Um, Cal and Jr. said that uh, for as good a hit, uh, good a hitter as this all, Hall of Famer was, that he was, you know, he was um, the most genuine person he'd ever met. And I think that that's that's always kind of the sense I got about him. And to be honest, uh, I mean, there's not too many athletes or famous people that I mean, I guess I don't I don't want to sound cold, but I don't you know those things don't really affect me. But Tony Gwynn is kind of guy I think that. I grew up watching him. He was one of my favorite players that wasn't on my favorite team. And I always enjoyed watching him. And uh, I think that he's one of those few people that uh, without, you know, knowing personally that you might be able to kind of get a little choked up about, I mean, he was, um, it just seemed like a phenomenal person. And, uh, I think that that's ultimately the best compliment you could ever receive. And I think it's just, it's the world's definitely, uh, a little less of a better place now that Tony Gwynn isn't with us any longer. So, um, yes.
1: Yeah, I, w- I would recommend also a uh, there's a piece on Deadspin uh, by a former Batboy of his. That's it's, it's really touching. So
0: excellent. We'll have to check that out. Thank you all.
1: Lights, and uh, drink a craft beer for Tony Gwynn tonight.
0: Absolutely. Thank you all for joining us for uh, episode number one thirty of The Sleeper and the Bust. Uh, this is Nicholas Minix, and uh, have yourselves a good day.